Hey everybody, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another amazing episode of the podcast, uh, which I can say because I'm an expert on it. Um, having done uh, now up to 111, uh, which is pretty sweet and cool and awesome. Uh, with you know, again, I think I probably said this back when I recorded for the f- the hundredth episode. Um, not something I was expecting to have been continuing as a thing. But, um, as you'll also know, based on the frequency, and I guess I would use those in quotation marks because there is a certain lack of frequency of updates, um, it is also, uh, uh, it's harder to put them out on a regular basis. Uh, trying to get guests is one thing, um, trying to find a, a good dedicated space to actually record them is also turning into a thing that I have to, to look into a bit more, um... Uh, strenuous, no, strenuously isn't the word I would want to be, um, more vigorously. How about that? Um, We'll go with that for right now. Um, but as we said, this is episode 111, and it is all about Infinity War and Deadpool 2. Uh, my friend James, who you remember from many a podcast, uh, we basically wanted to talk about it. Um, I kind of say at the top of the episode as well that, um, I, I have also recorded with Nathan on the 42 cast about Infinity War, so, uh, it will eventually drop. I just don't know when, and I wanted to talk to James about these movies because we tend to be the ones who see them, uh, in a mostly timely fashion. Uh, so yeah, that's basically just why we did this, because we wanted to talk about it, we wanted to talk about it with each other, and yeah, we always have fun when we're, um, dissecting movies, and both, in case of both, we, we like both of them, so it, you know, it's, you know how it is, it's, it's rough trying to find a lot of stuff to critique on movies that you love, especially if you, you know, it takes multiple viewings before you can really get into the nitty-gritty of it, but uh, I, th- I think it's pretty entertaining, you know, without us being super angry about everything, which is nice. You know, you need some positivity in the world right now. Um, yeah, so I, I do want to um, warn everyone that I make a lot of errors in the names of actors and pronunciations in this one. I don't know what was going on with me um, the day that we recorded, so if you will forgive a, a young lady... Um, or an old woman, depending on how you want to look at it, a um, her her druthers and just having a hard time concentrating at that point, uh, then we'll all get along just so famously and swell. Um, other, any other news? Uh, I will hopefully be having the next Pop Archives uh, article coming out uh, for the Society of American Archivists. This one will be about uh, archives and archivists as featured in, um, role-playing games or RPGs. So just kind of looking at those. And there's a, a very special interview with one Mr. Matthew Mercer of Critical Role in there as well. So if you're into that, please, please read it. Please let me know, um, what you think of it. Um, and if you have any suggestions for movies, TV shows, comic books, cartoons, anything pop culture related, that features an archivist or an archives, as you might think it is, uh, please email me at popculturearchives at, uh, yep, popculturearchives at gmail.com. Here you go. See, this is just part and parcel of the whole thing. But uh, uh, that with that out of the way, please again uh, go to 
uh, pop culture archives um, or poparchives.wordpress.com to to check out all the articles. Uh, I also mentioned at the end of the episode my friend Tiffany. Uh, they have a website uh, via Etsy, which is Leviathan Links, and you should totally see, uh, not see, but uh, purchase their wares because they are amazing and awesome and I love them. So without further ado, back into it. Episode 111, all about Infinity War and Deadpool 2. What's left to say? These prayers aren't working anymore. Every word. Shut down in flames What's left to do with these broken Hello. pieces? Yeah, it's James. Yay. <laughs> it feels like I haven't talked to you in forever. It's so weird. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. What the hell, dude? What's your problem? Uh, I have many problems. No. Many. Not with you, just... Just in general. Just in general problems. <laughs> it's just that whole, you know, adult thing. Oh, it sucks so much. <laughs> I tell I tell people at the bank all the time, I'm like, if I could go back and take the opt out option, I, I would totally go back and do that. <laughs> so the the weird thing is though it's like I've I enjoy more stuff being an adult than I did when I was a kid, obviously. So whenever people are like, what, right. what would you go back and tell your 10-year-old self? It's like, I, nothing. I mean, you can't do shit when you're 10, so why would I bother like trying to... <laughs> I don't want to go back to being a teenager where I'm powerless and you know, everyone's telling me what to do. So. <laughs> I'm going to go back to college where other people are telling me what to do, but at least I can drive around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I know you've seen Infinity War, right? I have. Have you seen Deadpool 2? I have. Excellent. So we can talk about both of them, because I want to talk about them. And I don't know when Nathan's podcast is going to come out, because he never gives me a time frame. So, yeah. I know, right? (laughs) It's like, like every time when I am on the show and he asks, like, oh, whatever you want to promote, it's like, well, I don't know when you're going to put this out, because we're already, like, how many weeks out from Infinity War? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's already at least two weeks. Yeah. So it's it's like that. It, if it takes a month, like are people really gonna care? Like what someone says a month later? I know. Well, and I mean that, and I I get the idea of having like a bank of podcasts that he can kind of just post whenever. But eventually, yeah, it gets to that point where it's like you you, you got to be like now, man. Mm-hmm. Like now. There's a certain <laughs> amount of timeliness, you know, depending on. The subject matter, you know, especially if it's about a movie that only recently came out, you might want to get that on the on the on the books and recorded and done like within a week of it being recorded. Yeah, but that's just my philosophy. <laughs> but I, I also don't have a bank of uh, podcasts I can rely on. I just fly by the seat of my pants. Yep, same boat. Yeah, but you've been doing a lot more of those um, uh, live videos. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's such an easy way to like, I like I shouldn't even say easy. It's a lazy way to communicate because <laughs> I don't have to type anything. I don't have to like try to you know look at my phone if I'm driving or anything. Mm. Like, 
I can just pop live video before I start driving and then I just let it roll until I reach my destination. God help me, I decided to do it on like a trip down to Seattle or something. Oh It'll god. Turn into like two hours of me just yakking at my phone. Well then you can just meet up with me and then I get into the car and it's like, hey, special guest. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> It'll be like Jerry Seinfeld's what riding in cars with oh, or whatever. Comedians in co- co- comedians in cars getting coffee. Yeah, exactly. It'll just be that, only we're not famous, so <laughs> Yeah, yeah gonna make it happen james i can feel it hey, you know all my friends are like hey when are you gonna become internet famous and i'm <laughs> like um probably about the point i do something really stupid and embarrassing mm-hmm. that's when i'll become internet famous because it's not gonna happen through the means i'm going through now. Yeah, no exactly <laughs> it's like you need to make a, a monumental fuck up that is preserved for all to see uh before you're gonna get internet famous <laughs> right <laughs> or learn an instrument i guess i don't know yeah yeah like, you're good on the ukulele, right? Anyone can play the ukulele. <laughs> Start that YouTube training channel. There we go. Oh, my God. It's like ukulele with with Roman on the rocks. Uh, I'm just it's just gonna... me hammering away on the strings <laughs> oh and some, God. like, cacophony of sound. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in some circles, that is art. So you'll never be <laughs> disappointed, true. James. That's so true. <laughs> It's like, if you don't like it, fine. Art is subjective. If you do like it, you are a connoisseur of art. <laughs> That's how that works. I saw I saw Exit through the gift shop. <laughs> I learned everything I know from Banksy and what's-his-face. The other dude. What was the other dude's name? I don't know. Yeah. Eh, there you go. <laughs> like I said, the transient properties of art. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we should start talking about those two movies that we got together to talk about, I suppose. Indeed. Indeed. Um, which one would you prefer to start with? Man, I mean, it's hard to say, because you either start with the one that actually outsold the other, which mm-hmm. nobody would have expected in a million years <laughs> <laughs> in opening weekend, mm-hmm. or you start with the lesser. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. Well, how about we start with Infinity War since it came first? Sounds good. Okay. Let's let's go chronologically speaking. Also, alternate title of this episode could just very well be the films of Josh Brolin. Um, <laughs> That's true. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, this is, this is unheard of. This is kind of a first-time thing where, like, mm-hmm. somebody played two different Marvel characters in two completely different, like, franchises, mm-hmm. um, as far as how they're distributed, so... Yeah, yeah, it it's it's so odd, and yet it works. I mean, because, I mean, if you if you look at Infinity War with Thanos, I mean, um, um, Josh Brolin, it's not like he necessarily disappears into it, but it's not like everyone's gonna be like, oh, that's clearly Josh Brolin, <laughs> you know? Hey, isn't that the guy from Goonies? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man, I loved him in Sicario. <laughs> <laughs> or okay the one thing in in deadpool of all the references they never make a jonah hex reference oh that's fair i feel that's like that fair. was a wasted opportunity given all the inside jokes every dig at green lantern and yep. not one mention of jonah hex oh that's a fantastic point yeah i i feel like i should tweet at ryan ryan reynolds and be like dude what the hell? Like, that was low-hanging fruit at the very least, which I know you are not opposed to doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> For a fact, point of order. 
but that's like that's my one gripe. I have, I have other gripes, but whatever. Um, so we'll, we'll do we'll start with Infinity War because it is again another culmination point in terms of the Marvel franchise of movies, the juggernaut that is. Um, ten years in the making. Oh my god! It seems it's so weird. It's like ten years ago, Iron Man. Really, really. <laughs> yeah. it's like ten years, seventeen movies, I think, up to this one. And 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 it culminates in this this movie that I feel like accomplished a whole crap ton where it could have easily fallen apart at any one at any one point. Um, yeah. What what uh, I mean I guess let's start with overall. What did you think of the movie, James? Overall, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. It took me for a couple of turns because I I mean I've done a little bit of my homework on in the comics what infinity war was and Mm -hmm. like so kind of the plot points within the comics um without having ever read them and then uh, you know kind of comparing into this and i feel like they they stuck to a lot of things they obviously had to change certain things um because uh other events of course chronologically didn't happen so this is almost a little bit of an otherworldly tale of how infinity war could have come about with the fact that uh, you know, Peter Parker is alive in the movies. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the comics, he died in Civil War, and that's part of the reason things weren't good between um, Iron Man and Cap. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just, uh, I, I felt like overall it accomplished, like you said, so many different things that at any any one moment, if something had gone even in the in, in the slightest turn of air of direction, mm-hmm. it could have really brought down um, you know, whatever was left of the movie or left just that a big bad enough taste in in viewers' mouths. So even if they had redeemed themselves by the end, that would have been the mar. It would have been like, mm-hmm. oh, that thing. Like they finally made a bad one. It's like, okay, critics, you win. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's such a. I mean, to have as many characters that are in this movie. I mean staying for the credits like like we all do because we know with Marvel movies that's what you're supposed to do. Um, you just look that at... That is the etiquette. <laughs> exactly. Like, anytime people start getting up after the first roll of the credits, you're just like, what the hell? Have you never seen a Marvel movie before? Right. Or you looked up what they are online and decided you just didn't care enough to stick around. That I respect. Um, but uh, but considering the the ginormous amount of people that are in this, like all of these actors you know, giving it their all, basically, um, for this story, and they're not even, they're not even the main characters of it. Like, they, they are reactionary agents to Thanos, who, and, and I thought this was, like, the smartest decision of the entire movie, was making Thanos basically the main character. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, in order to, like, the Russo brothers, in order to handle, like, so many stories, and it's not even... Because that's the thing I think some people were upset about is that not a lot of storylines from the previous Marvel movies got resolved. You know, like there was this whole like, why didn't Cap and Tony make up in, or or see each other? You know, after Civil War, it's like because that's not the story that's being told right now. <laughs> right. It's like this is Thanos's hero's journey. We're 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 going with him on the monomyth, and we're watching the makings of a genuine. Uh, like an actual threatening Marvel villain, I guess. You know, yeah. for, for the first time. Well, yeah, and I mean, it was unique in in the direction they took that, and the fact that 
I think it explained his backstory without having to do some some weird initiation because mm-hmm. that would have been the big thing is like anybody uh, who <laughs> hadn't ever seen a Marvel movie up to this doesn't really know who Thanos is and to be honest even with what we've had I think through the movies like we have a general feeling of kind of who he is mm-hmm. other than like a purple space juggernaut yes um, <laughs> I mean, like you said, Thanos has had very little characterization throughout the the Marvel Moody Moody's the Marvel movies <laughs> <laughs> leading up to this point. I mean, the first time we really we see him is at the end of Avengers, and it's a really quick. Obviously, they hadn't. I, I don't think they had picked Josh Brolin yet. It was just a computer animated dude, and and it's Whedon uh, point you know pointing. You know, giving a nod to the original story, where it's like to to attack Earth is to court death. I think is the line the dude uses before Thanos turns his head and he's like, "Oh, really?" Um, which is a nod to the comic uh, because I guess for people who don't, I mean, I know and I know enough to kind of like work my way through it. But the one of the primary motivations in the comics for Thanos was trying to prove to the embodiment of death that he was worthy of her love and, uh, like, wanted to get with her, so. Right. Hence the uh, collecting of Infinity Stones and the killings and the blah, blah, blah. Um, whereas in this movie, we're, we're getting... Uh, that's changed, obviously, and it's now more about a purple spaceman who sees the galaxy as becoming overpopulated and the use of resources or are being depleted, and the only solution he has is to wipe out half a civilization. Across the cosmos. Yeah, across the cosmos. Not even like, oh, it'll be just like Earth and a handful of other planets that you probably don't even realize exist. No, Mm -hmm. no. It's everywhere. Yep. (laughs) Yep, yep. Um, But, I mean, yeah, and not only just in Avengers, but then Guardians of the Galaxy gave us, like, most of the, most of the, um, not even characterization, but just kind of gave us an idea of the type of threat Thanos could be, uh, through seeing what he's done to Gamora and Nebula and, and just his general influence, because we kind of, he's just kind of there giving orders to Gamora in the first, uh, Guardians, just being like, go do this and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, okay, fine. And now I betray you. Um, right. and, and I think I, I can't forget I can't remember what movie it was at the end where he decides he's going to do it himself. Was it at the end of Avengers 2? Or... Um, yes. Okay. Yes, because, it, it, yeah, it was very specifically... He, he, I, I remember the scene, yeah, like, he turns around at the end because they've yet... Because now Vision has the, sto- the, the time stone or yeah. whatever the hell. Not time stone. Whatever stone it is. The soul stone, I think. A, a stone of some power. Yeah, some sort of stone. Um, it glows. Yeah, it glows. <laughs> it could be a Dragon Ball. We don't know. Hey, best crossover ever. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, yeah, he, he turned. You know, he turns to the camera and he says, "You know, I'll have to just do it myself." And 
we don't really understand the bearing of those words until Mm -hmm. pretty much the beginning of this movie. Yeah, and... And that was what it was led in by Thor Ragnarok because it, I think it's like the mid credit sequence is when we see the ship looming over yep. the the remainder of what's of the Asgardian people, which most of them also get wiped out too at the beginning of the movie. So, and I think that there's like one one line like a it says that a, a ship got away with some of them, which I think includes Valkyrie and Korg. Uh, because God, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know, right? It's like it's it's. Someone pointed out this was a it's a pretty downer look in terms of like how Thor ends, but and then how Infinity War <laughs> begins. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really. The poor Asgardians. Yes, they're, just, they're having a real tough time. <laughs> it's been a rough go in the last couple of years. What <laughs> uh, with Odin and then Ragnarok and now Thanos and. Heimdall's gone. <laughs> I know, right? I was really sad to hear Idris Elba like kind of confirm, like, yeah, that that was that was a hat that was unfortunately uh, hung up. And I actually read an article where he was like, I regret that I didn't give more to the character mm. in like previous films because I never really like connected with it until he did Thor Ragnarok, and he was just like, and then you know, you know, uh, Tycho, he just made he just made the the role seems so much funner and something that I was really happy with. Mm-hmm. And something I was just like, oh, that's so unfortunate, Idris. Right. Why didn't you give us an even better Heimdall? <laughs> I was like, man, if that's you not trying to be a great character, you're crushing it, sir. I know. It's like, okay, so you think that, that those performances were subpar in the first two? It's like, damn, that's why we want you to play Bond, man. Even at your worst, you're your best. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah poor poor heimdall doesn't doesn't make it past the opening um and loki apparently too uh the, that's yeah. the, the one thing i mean obviously there's spoilers but there's a whole lot of death happening um in in this movie which i think a lot of us expected um it's it's hard to pull off a movie like this without there being some kind of collateral damage that isn't like faceless people in the crowd or something like that um, so I guess what, what was your, what were your feelings on the various deaths that happened there, James? Oh man. Um, so many, hmm. uh, so many, so like Heimdall, Heimdall sucked, mm-hmm. but it was like, I understood kind of, kind of the necessity of it. Um, some of the others, uh, I mean, they were, they come out of left field in a couple of places. There's other places you, you're really expecting it to happen. I think with, with vision specifically, like there's a couple of moments where you think it's going to happen pretty early on. And it's not like until almost the end of the movie Mm -hmm. that like it happens. And it's just like, Oh man, they were really terrible at their jobs trying to get that thing. I mean, it's the Avengers, but Damn, guys. Stretch that out, and they kept stretching it out, and it's like, it, that whole thing with him and Scarlet Witch, which, it doesn't bother me that they're in a relationship, you know, in terms of how the timeline worked out for them, but the whole, I, I hate the whole wishy-washy, like, no, I can't destroy you because I love you. It's like, girl, we are in a time crunch scenario here. Um, maybe maybe like, getting rid of that first, and then you can angst later. I know, 
I know. I was. I had. I had a couple of moments where I was just like, "Well, let's see here." Like Christine was just like, "I mean, I could understand the struggle," and I was just like, "Like not to not to cross genre here, but mm. uh, as Spock would say, the needs of the many are greater than the needs of the one." Yeah. Like, ace this guy <laughs> like, like, let's figure this out here Come like, on. i like vision too but when it comes down to it if this stone is really super important to thanos maybe we try to get rid of it right you know just for safeties i'm sure there's a way you could get vision back some other time but for right now let's just you know he was just a bunch of code before you could do it again Right. Well, and that's what made his his death seem so impactful, I think, is the fact that she destroys the stone, but then it doesn't matter. Yeah. She's got the time stone anyways. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I and I didn't know how to feel about like that particular moment. I was just like, I don't, uh, I mean, did we need to go through all the other stuff? But, yeah. <laughs> but did we need to go through the all the other stuff? Like, I don't know. <laughs> No, it's true. It's like once he got the time stone, it's like, well, all of this is unnecessary now. He's just going to go back in time and fix what doesn't work for him. I mean, that's that's what anyone with a time stone would do. Yeah, he's going to do literally everything Doctor Who tells everybody not to do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to work out real well. Until the TARDIS shows up and <laughs> we're going to make the ultimate genre mashup. Like Doctor Who just pops in and is like, sorry, I left this behind and you know, fixes everything. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I I can understand, like, yeah, with the Vision and, and Scarlet Witch, it's like, it is what it is, but it could have, you could have saved a lot of time, I mean, literally, if yeah. you just, you know, po- you know, poofed that stone out of existence before he got the time stone. Yeah, I mean, when we got, and I think those were some of the most traumatic deaths, mm-hmm. was after, after he gets all the stones snaps those fingers and people just start disappearing and there were some that like i was really unaffected by and part of that might be the fact that i pay attention to nerd news and so people are like sebastian stan's been contracted for six movies Mm -hmm. i'm like oh he's gonna be fine he's all right he's he's gonna be fine yeah (laughs) and that's the thing too i mean it's it's difficult especially when you know people like you and i who you know regardless of of the nerdiness were just very savvy to movies at the same time. Right. And, and knowing what we know, it's like, especially the way this movie ended and with our, you know, for the most part knowledge of how these works, like we already know that a lot of these, they're they're all going to be brought back in the first act of the movie. I mean, that's essentially how this works. I mean, I don't remember when they changed the title because this was supposed to be part one. I mean, it still is a part one, but it was supposed to have part one in the title. And I don't know why they changed that. I don't... Is Do you remember reading anything on that, or why it happened, or... I, I don't remember reading anything on it, but if I had... If I had to throw my, my thoughts into the ring on that... As, um, as you do. I would say it was probably due to the fact that Avengers 4 will essentially be the formation of a new Avengers team Mm. um, outside of, you know, those who have disappeared or whatever the case, because they'll have to come together and try to figure out how to fix what Thanos has done. Mm -hmm. And so I think they just decided they wanted to go with that because it would be that formation of of a new Avengers team, so to speak. Um, That would be my guess, but yeah, I don't know. Or it was somebody went... 
we think it'd just be really cool if you called in Avengers 4. Uh, make that happen. <laughs> Well, they're eventually going to, I guess, release what the title of it will be, because somehow we'll be able to pick it apart and figure out everything that's going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I'm I'm not worried about most of the deaths. I mean, the ones that occurred before the this finger snap, worried about those, like Gamora. Um, you right, because that's my question, is like, are all those characters that happened before the snap permadeath? Like, yeah. are they done done? Exactly. And and I think it's a testament to the movie and the and the movie makers, like, especially where they ended it and the, you know, there's always just going to be speculation, which is fun for the whole family, um, to to kind of think about that because the amount of deaths that occurred before, what's, what's about, like, four or five or maybe maybe less, but they're, they're characters that, you know, people really love, like Loki, um, who it's like, I know that James Hiddleston, not James, Tom Hiddleston, (laughs) whatever. Uh, I know that Hiddleston is, is probably done with Loki. You know, it, it, it doesn't seem like a character that can really at this point move beyond what they've already been doing, you know, unless they're going to go in a rapidly different direction with him once, if he's resurrected. Um, they're just, especially after Thor Ragnarok, it just doesn't seem like you can do that same cat and mouse game with him in Thor and it be it could still be entertaining, but in terms of an actual story, it's just like, what are we doing here, guys? This this isn't right. a comic just, book. Yeah, it's really just going through the motions of a repeated process. Mm-hmm. So, Loki, I could see being permadead. Um, yeah. Probably Heimdall, too, if, you know, just because Idris Elba, like, what, what else are you going to bring him in for other than to kill him off at this point? Right. <laughs> um, and then uh, Gamora, I think, is the biggest one, because it's like, I, I'm pretty sure Zoe Saldana's coming back for Guardians 3, but now I'm not so sure. And I, <laughs> right. and I don't also, I also don't want to be that person that goes on IMDb to, like, prove it or whatever, because, I don't know, that feels like it might impede on the story, like, as it unfolds, but at the same time, it's like, they wouldn't get rid of Gamora, would they? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, everything that happens after the snap, you know, and a lot of those characters are ones who we know have, you know, franchise options still in them. I mean, they killed Spider-Man. Spider-Man's not going anywhere. We already know that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean... they've already revealed uh, the villain, potentially, potentially for the next Spider-Man That's movie. right. Mm-hmm. Was it Jake Gyllenhaal as uh, Mysterio? Yeah, which I was just like, I mean... Okay? <laughs> like, I, I'm interested to see how they'll present that. That's all I can really say, because I'm like, I don't... I mean, I like Jake Gyllenhaal just fine, but... Mm-hmm. But it's Mysterio. Is, like, is Mysterio, know? like, your your fave Spidey villain? No, he's <laughs> just... Like, he's just, <laughs> just... He's such a weird character, because, like, you never see his face. Like, it's always in, like, the weird mirror globe. I was like, mm-hmm. so why specifically did we go with Jake Gyllenhaal? Uh, yeah, you could have <laughs> literally put anybody in the suit, and no one would know the difference. Right? <laughs> no, see, Doug Jones will just play the actual, like, body, and then they'll just insert <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal's face every once in a while and his voice. Oh, oh there we go. Problem there solved. Go. Problem yeah. solved. <laughs> Sam fixes Marvel movies. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I think one of the most impactful deaths in the movie, though, is is Spider-Man. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. This is the 
one of the most traumatic, uh, <laughs> specifically because of the fact that, like, it seems like the suit is, you know, the nanobody ma- machines in the suit are, like, trying to protect him. Mm-hmm. And he's fighting against it, so he's struggling, like, before the gone. Yeah. And then he pulls, you know, a Doctor Who line. And it's just like, I hate you. <laughs> I, I hate you so much. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, it's like, because the, the, the relationship that's built up between Tony and Peter... It's like, I mean, this, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that they start the movie when it gets to, um, to Tony and Pepper, where he's saying like, and I had a dream that we had a kid, you know, all this stuff. And then he literally watches his surrogate son die in front of him, right? you know? And it's like, if we didn't need to traumatize Tony enough at this point, <laughs> right. like he's already got some pretty severe PTSD issues. So severe, on. so severe, so it broke so his it relationship. paranoid enough to build an Iron Man army. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it's so severe. He's built an Iron Man army. He severed his relationship with, with Steve Rogers. <laughs> he built Ultron. <laughs> it's like, this guy has done a lot of things that have had super huge consequences for everyone he knows. <laughs> and now he's got, now he's got this visual of this kid who he, he won't say it, but, you know, adores and likes and loves, a, you know, a little bit, watches him just disintegrate in front of him. It's like, dude, this is... Like, how does the next movie not just open up with Tony Stark in, like, a psych ward somewhere? Psych ward on, somewhere in the uni- in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Nebula just drops off a bubbling mass of, of Tony in some place. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, because... For any, you know, and and for all I knew in terms of like, oh, okay, these aren't permadeaths. It's it's still like watching Tom Holland act the shit out of that scene, you know, with with Robert Downey Jr. You're just like, God, now I feel like he might actually be dead. Damn. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's actually really funny. So in that in that scene, like just before like all that stuff's happening, there's like a new meme that started floating around. I saw that's like Tom Holland. And like they, and the way they they posted it was, it was like two shots where he looks like he doesn't know what's going on, like mm-hmm. at all. And so like somebody is just like, why does Tom Holland in Spider Man in these two scenes always look like he doesn't know what's happening? <laughs> and then Tom Holland responded to it himself, and he was like, because I didn't know what was happening. Nobody <laughs> would tell me anything until I was on site. like to record oh no (laughs) it's because he kept like in interviews he was so bad about spoiler like information about the movies and stuff Mm -hmm. and so they just they got to the point they're like we're not we're not telling you what's happening until like you get on set (laughs) (laughs) then you'll know (laughs) yeah i I get there was what video of him like spoiling the movie in a theater like they'd come out and he didn't realize that no one had seen the movie yet (laughs) like i think it was a screening and he just assumed they'd already see it. Man, that guy. <laughs> yep. Well, didn't, um, were they saying that, uh, what was it? Who played the Hulk? Uh, Mark Ruffalo. That he spoiled, like, a major thing at a, at a, at an event as well, or on, during an interview, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, these guys just can't hold it in. They're like, you guys, you have no idea, this is so cool. Well, and what's even better is if any of these guys weren't, like, giant nerds before, like, it seems like working for Marvel for so long has turned them into giant nerds. That is true. Hmm. They probably get all the comics they could ever want. I mean, they could say it's under the disguise of, like, research or or whatever, but I'm pretty sure Marvel's got to be just, like, 
giving them piles of comics. Like, just whatever you want. You're making us so much money. <laughs> right? Like, we'll get you all the source material you could ever want. Like, even the source material, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even associate it with anything. You want some DC comics? Here, have some DC comics. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want, Mr. Ruffalo, you can have it. <laughs> um... So I'm trying to think. What other, I mean, were there any other deaths that that hit you home, or is it is it mostly so, kind of a blank slate with them? With them. The only one that hit me hard, and it didn't hit me hard at the theater. Mm-hmm. It hit me hard later, like a few days later. <laughs> um, and it was gr- the, the death of Groot. Oh my and god! Like, yeah, so it's because uh, James Gunn was just like, yeah, he he called Rocket Dad, and it was just like. Why? When he was saying that? Yeah. <gasps> just before he disappears and he goes, I am Groot. And like he was saying, he was calling Rocket Father. And I was like, oh, I just, I'm gonna go Son of a now. bitch. Like, oh. <laughs> That's not fair. Like, damn it, James. Like, okay, I feel like Groot now should come with an actual translation every time he says it. <laughs> We should be privy to like you can't just tell us. Oh no, he's he's calling out to his father as he's disintegrating. Right, oh that's just God. mean. You know what? We need to go. We need to adopt Snyder fan tactics and start a petition. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> like I demand a literal translation. A translation of what that version of "I am Groot" means. <laughs> Damn it! That's not cool. <laughs> But yeah, it is, yeah, even watching that and just Rocket's reaction to it, it's like, because I know some people were concerned with the lack of reaction from some people, like, uh, like Cap or, or they're all just kind of looking around and, um, so I think Okoye has the, the biggest reaction to Black Panther, uh, dying, who of course we know is safe. They're going to do Black Panther 2, guys, come on. <laughs> you don't just kill off the billion dollar franchise lead of... <laughs> one of your movies. He's fine. Um, but other than that, the, the reaction seemed to be fairly subdued, which I didn't have a problem with, but, did, I mean, did you? Um, no. I mean, I wrote it off, I think, for, for some of them, as just like, man, I've seen so much crazy shit in my life. Mm-hmm. We'll figure this out. It's no big deal. We'll, we'll get it. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I, in, in my mind, I'm just thinking, like, the shock of it just probably numbed everybody. They're just like, you can't, I think that's one of the things with Thanos and like this whole infinity gauntlet thing is like the, the conception of what's just happened is, is almost too much for people to be able to handle at once. I mean, you, you thought the battle was won. Uh, and, and, and then you see everybody just disappear, like just, and they're fading away in front of you. You know, like, that's just got, I, I just can't even imagine as a person who's just went through, first of all, the adrenaline rush of beating off these, you know, uh, monsters and everything. But then after that, watching your friends and your family just kind of <sighs> gone, you know, it, it feels like I, I think anyone would be numb in that situation and not exactly know how to react. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. I, yeah. Like, just the, the, the utter shock and reaction. I mean, I think outside of of the Royal Guard and their reaction, but that's because everybody in um, that place loves their king. Like, in Wakanda? They just, they, 
Yeah, in Wakanda. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's one of those where I think, I think it'll, like, I don't know. I think there was so much more to what Doctor Strange said, mm-hmm. like a meaning behind the words. Um because, you know, we can't just say things straight out. No, of course not. If, if you laid it all out for people, there would just be no drama. Right, right. Um, and so I think, like, Downey's in a weird place. Or not Downey, but Tony Stark is in a weird place because, you know, he just watched his protege die in his arms. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, also the other guy who knows something about this weird mystical shit, and now he's gone. Yep. So it's like, where... Where am I pulling knowledge from now? It's just him so, and Nebula on, a, yeah. on an abandoned planet. That sounds like a good time. Right? I, I, I kind of would... I would watch that. And I will in the next <laughs> movie, probably. <laughs> but uh, that, that also goes into uh, what was real, what was also very interesting about this movie was the, the pairing off of certain people, you know? And not just in a romantic way, but um, it's like when when Thor becomes uh, the uh, guest of the Guardians, and then it's him, Groot, and uh, Rocket who go to find the uh, was it the anvil and the forge to, to get him a new hammer. Like, that, that turns out to be, like, one of the best decisions, I feel like, in the entire movie, was just to send him and the sweet rabbit and tree to, yeah. uh, <laughs> to get a hammer. Well, and I thought, I thought it let the tone from Ragnarok continue to kind of carry over, even though, you know, like, obviously Thor's dealing with this very emotional, like, personalization from, you know, watching what he truly believes is, you know, the death of his brother, Mm -hmm. you know, and so he's trying to kind of maintain that same tone that Ragnarok kind of set, where it was kind of that, like, fast and loose, like, hey, Thor's like a cool party guy kind of thing, and so... Uh, I thought that worked really well to mm-hmm. like maintain that that course um, through using the guardians who they you know who themselves are kind of odd um, in in the whole of the Marvel universe. Yeah, in terms of like the tone, I mean, I I, I feel like it was fairly well balanced between like the the typical humor that we see in Marvel movies and also the real the real like high stakes gravity of the situation at the same time because it would be very easy for it to just become like mood whiplash back and forth. But, and especially because all of these different worlds too, are having to kind of mesh up together in, in ways that still need to feel like they're honoring the movie that the movies that they came from, but then also being in the movie with all these other people, you know? Right. And, and I feel like that was handled pretty well. It's, it's not coming to me immediately. If anything tonally didn't quite work. I mean, did anything not tonally work for you? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think everything everything just fit really nicely into its own place throughout mm-hmm. the entirety. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's one of... I know it's been one of the criticisms of the Marvel movies that they're all, you know, in this... Like, you can tell what a Marvel movie is. Like, it's 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 super obviously what, what's going on there. But then the fact that they can still bring all of these characters in and still make a movie that treats them all with the respect they deserve from their various franchises without feeling like you've overshadowed them, you know, um, which is which is probably why it was the smartest decision to put Thanos at the center of it, because everyone else's stories just can't possibly get serviced in the same way if, you know, if we if we wanted to do, like, okay, well, we've got to focus on Tony now. Well, now we have to focus on Cap. And now we have to... Uh, like, 
what's what's going through T'Challa's head right now? No one cares right now. Like, <laughs> we'll we'll wait till Black Panther two when you can dive into his psyche more. Right now, yeah. they all have to be reacting to this really ridiculous and yet devastating situation. Right. Like we didn't we didn't think it would actually be a bunch of people we knew. Mm-hmm. Like we did not plan for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We just assumed a bunch of unnamed people would just would probably die. Right. <laughs> you figure with superheroes, like I'm, I'm a lead character. I couldn't possibly die, could I? Could I? Well, and I think that was part of like so much of the upset from a lot of people regarding the movie because there were so many people who were just like, I didn't like the way that movie ended, and 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 I keep coming back to them like, guys, 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 it's it's part one. It's yeah. part one. It's part one. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be more. And most of this is probably going to write itself. Like, it's a comic book universe. I know you don't read them, but but these things happen. It's called a soft reboot. <laughs> so they'll, they'll bring all these people back, and it will happen again. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the I'm not worried about, about them in the sense that I know that they'll all be back, probably within the first act of, of the next movie. It's who dies after that. Like, if someone's going to die after that, that's when I would be worried. Like, did someone's deal not go through? <laughs> um, and then also, because it's... I had a thought there for a second, and then I lost it. What the hell? Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> I mean, it's just these... Uh, all of these characters are... They, they have to have some kind of dramatic, you know, ending. Like, you can't just have them win at the end, and then suddenly, uh, you know, it's... And, and then, like, oh, and then a volcano explodes and everyone dies. Like, that's just not the the way this thing works. I mean, maybe. It could work that way. Um, but I th- I think in, in terms of what the ending of the next movie is going to be is going to be the more traumatic one. You know, yeah. in terms of who comes back, who doesn't. Or if anything really even remotely changes. Like, if the st- if everyone's still alive at the end of the next movie, would that be such a bad thing? Fair. Yeah. It's like I I can't imagine anyone would be super upset if everybody lives. <laughs> or, of course, there's probably a bunch of fan people. It's like, well, no, there's st- there's no stakes. Like, yeah, welcome to comic books. That's that's exactly have, what's happening. No stakes. Right. Have, have, have you have, are any of you familiar with the show called Supernatural? <laughs> oh like, my god. That's how that formula works. There's no stakes ever. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's stakes. But then there's not really, because <laughs> that show after the fifth season, it was just like, no, there's no way. It's like, you can't just keep having them die and come back and die and come back and then lie to each other and die and come back and die. <laughs> it's like, but apparently you can, because it's in its, what, 13th season now? So, what do I know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'll be more concerned at the end of the next movie when we'll, we'll likely talk about it then and be like, oh my god, look who did and or didn't die. That's amazing yeah. or super frustrating, um, and 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 really for me, like if if they justify why no one else dies within the story, I'm fine with that. Like if the ending is earned, I'm good because, quite frankly, these people have gone through quite a lot, and they right. deserve a vacation probably. Just my opinion. Um, in a space spa. Yeah, in a space spa. They'll just go to like some nice, you know. Oh, Spa Planet. Why not? 
If a planet can have an entire an, an entire environment associated with it, like Hoth, why can't it just be one whole business? <laughs> Fair. Welcome That's to fair. Spa World. Um, okay, so let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, okay, was there anything in the movie that you didn't particularly enjoy? Like it just either didn't work within the story for you, re- regardless of whether it's a part one, um, or just, you know, uh, character-wise seemed out of place or anything like that? Um, no, uh, I mean... It's one thing, but it's something I've been upset about for, like, two other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was... So, like, we obviously have this established relationship with um, with Tony and Pepper. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is, like, they've done such a shoddy job of, like, actually filling in any kind of blanks for, mm. for their relationship so far. And it's just, like, we know at the end of Spider-Man, like, that was clearly inferred that he was going to be like, hey, we're engaged, and, mm-hmm. like, talk to the news. And, like, that was really the only lead-in. Like, we never really got clarification on how is she not exploding things <laughs> with her hands? How are didn't, we just... Didn't she get cured of that? Well, but they never really talked about it. Like, it gets lightly mentioned mm. in one of the previous movies where he's just like, yeah, you know, uh, we sorted it out, and then we're uh, we're kind of just on a break right now. <laughs> and, like, and that was it. Like, that was the only thing. They just glossed over it like it was no big deal. And mm-hmm. I was just like, it was kind of a big deal at the end of Iron Man 3. <laughs> a little bit. Just slightly. <laughs> when you thought she might have died? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I mean, I felt... I felt like everything else just, I, I don't know, like, it was it was a culmination of things to come together, and, I mean, yeah, there were, there were things, story-wise, they didn't, like, clean up from other movies mm-hmm. um, in this, but, again, it's part one, we still might see some of that stuff, like, clear itself up after Avengers 4, but... Even even with all of those things, I think they're so small and insignificant enough to not think about, mm-hmm. really, if, if you're not, like, super analyzing this franchise. Which, of course, we're not doing at all. Right. Yeah. Not, not <laughs> Neither of us are sitting here just overthinking a movie we, just, we saw. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Oh, man. Anyway. Uh, so... What I find interesting is where people are kind of, you know, getting pissed off. You know, uh, one one I saw was was the Tony Cap non reconciliation, which probably won't happen until the second movie. Let's be honest. Um, but then also, like part of that was Star Lord, um, and what he does that prevents them from getting the gauntlet off of Thanos. And I I'm kind of surprised by some people's reaction to that because it's like. He, do you not see where this happened? Like he finds out Gamora's dead, and it's right at the moment, the the, the least helpful moment it could have been, and then he starts wailing on Thanos, and you know, regardless of what anyone's saying, like, oh no, we need to, we're almost there, we're almost there, and he just can't handle it, and he emotionally reacts, and that dooms them basically at that moment. But it's a direct correlation, it's a direct parallel of what Tony did in Civil War. Yeah. And he does it right in front of Tony. Uh, and I feel like that's going to be what leads to the reconciliation. Because Tony's going to be, you know, probably go up to Cap and in his own non-apology way kind of point out that he, you know, was, you know, it's his fault in a lot of ways, but that he also reacted in a way that was not helpful to what they were trying to do at the time. Yep. So I'm, 
I mean, again, we just talked about overanalyzing a movie, but I feel like that was meant to be there, not just for the story element of, of, um, oh, what was it, of Star-Lord and his feelings for Gamora, but also the whole Tony witnessing someone do exactly what he did in Civil War kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tony, I mean, to some degrees, I mean, it always comes back around where Tony has to swallow his hubris and he has to see that, you know, while he's a brilliant, brilliant person, um, he doesn't always have the right solution. Also true. Very true. He'll probably be instrumental in getting Cap, like, reinstated, or, you know, depending on whether or not Cap dies, because, again, one of those things that you know is that, you know, Chris Evans' last movie that he's contractually obligated for is Avengers 4. So he could stay nomad, or he could be killed. (laughs) Um, And then Sam uh, or Bucky takes over. Um, Always a possibility. Or alternate universe Peggy Carter. Right. We'll just throw her in. Yeah, right? Like, just bring, uh, what's her, Haley, uh, Haley Atwood? Is that her name? It's Atwood or Atwell. I'm not sure. I think it's Haley Atwell. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> basically, Peggy Carter. Like, just bring her, bring an alternate version of, of her back who's young, and she's like, no, I'm going to be Captain America now. Right. Now, that is the exciting thing to know uh, about Miss Marvel coming mm. out before Avengers 4. Yeah. Um, is this is going to be a past storytelling. So we're actually going to go back for Miss Marvel's origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have good old Agent Coulson back yep. um, for that. And then uh, I've also heard that uh, Peggy Atwell, or Haley Atwell, yeah, Haley Atwell <laughs> will be coming back uh, to reprise her role as Agent Carter. So, oh, so she'll be... Still get, go ahead. Uh, well, or whatever capacity she is at that point. Yeah, like, how old is she at that in the 90s? Because <laughs> when, was it, when Steve is talking to her in what was the present day in Winter Soldier, she had dementia, or Alzheimer's, either way. Um, but then, so what was, where was she in the t- in, in terms of that sickness in the 90s? That'll, that'll be interesting. Right. Um, and so let's talk about, uh, Captain Marvel, uh, coming up because, uh, one of the post credit scenes was, uh, good old Sam Jackson coming back as Nick Fury and, uh, Colby Smulders as, uh, um, Anita Hill. And they, they, I mean, we, we talked about how we saw like the people disintegrating on the battlefield in Wakanda, but what's interesting about their scene is that they're just driving like in New York and then suddenly, cars are crashing and planes are going down. Like all this stuff starts to happen and there's no explanation of it because obviously they probably didn't know what was happening. Um, and then Anita disappears. Not, not Anita. It's a Maria. Shoot. Why didn't you correct me? (laughs) Um, Maria Hill, uh, she, she starts disappearing and then, uh, Nick Fury like goes for his, this epic beeper basically and he's <laughs> and he starts punching it in and just as he dies he he's like oh mother you know and then it falls to the ground and we just see captain marvel's symbol um the updated symbol uh from from the marvel comics so carol danvers on her way to save the day hopefully yeah how did how did you feel when you saw that james um 
Did you feel anything? Did you feel anything? (laughs) I mean, it's exciting to have a new Marvel character introduced, um, especially, like, like, she's a hero with, like, more general, like, superpowers, right? She's Mm -hmm. not, you know, Tony Stark who, you know, has just amazing technology, or Cap who just has pretty much super soldier serum like he's mm-hmm. they don't have really powers or anything they have a lot of them have things that have, have given them enhancements of some kind yeah um so this will be our first like super powered individual mm-hmm. um within the movie universe because we've seen those kinds of characters in the tv universe yeah um but that's it yeah to yeah for there's uh, i i don't know how much they're actually borrowing from kelly sue DeConnick's run on Captain Marvel, or, like, how much of a mishmash they're doing, but generally speaking, I think they're going to be, you know, going with the a more simplified version of her origin story, which is just that she received her powers from a Kree warrior, Marvel. Um, and so her movie, like you said, taking place in the 90s, and will also involve some previous Kree uh, characters that we saw in Guardians, so we'll actually see Ronan. Um, the accused, yeah, Ronan the accuser, and um, who did uh, Jaman? Uh, what did he? Who did he, he played a he played a Cree uh, in there? The one who Star Lord's all like, my name is Star Lord, and he's like, who? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jaman Hansu. Um, so we we know they're going to be there. Also, Agent Coulson, also Nick Fury. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how they're going to tell her origin because Brie Larson is much younger than because carol is i think somewhere in her like late 30s um maybe early 40s in the comics but brie larson is not that so we'll see how they do with a a younger origin story yeah yeah i'm excited because like not only do we get her origin but then we're gonna see like how how are they going to fix this like it because we see at the end the gauntlet is like it looks like it's broken or it's been destroyed by the snap so what are they gonna do yeah. Well, one point somebody made to me was, if you think back to the Forge, mm-hmm. um, the dwarf still has the mold to create a gauntlet. Yeah. Um, so then it might be some sort of, like, structuring around, like, repairing the crystals or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. No, it'll be, it'll be interesting, because I, I, I pointed that out to, to Nathan when I did his podcast on this. And I was like, that was a mold, and but someone said that that was another gauntlet, like another gauntlet entirely. So I, do you do you agree that it, I mean, in your opinion, does that look more like a mold, or do you think it might be a second gauntlet that was made? Um, no, I think it's just the mold. Mm-hmm. Because as far as far as my knowledge goes, like there was only ever one like Infinity Gauntlet for the stones or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Now there's been multiple wielders. Um, Carol Danvers, uh, Adam Warlock, mm-hmm. and like a handful of other people um, yeah. have all wielded the gauntlet at one point or another. But I'm interested to see if they'll do some sort of tie-in around the gauntlet mm-hmm. with Adam Warlock, since they did tease Adam Warlock at the end of uh, Guardians Two. Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting to see if he shows up and and in what capacity he serves the story, or he may not be there at all. Who knows? It's true. It's true. Could just show up in Guardians Three, which not bad either. I mean, it, with any of these characters, it's just it's it always boils down to like how are they utilized in the story and does it make sense? I mean, as long as 
it the story services the characters in that way. It's like I I don't care how many characters you put in a movie. Like as long as yeah. they get something to do and everyone in Infinity War had something to do. Um and as long as they still act like themselves, which pretty much all of them did, um I have no I have no quarrel with you. Yeah. Yeah. The I think my biggest gripe is still the um <clears throat> the Gamora and Star-Lord romance. Um, simply because I also pointed this out on Nathan's podcast. So if you're listening to this well before you listen to Nathan's, this will, this will not be new information. Um, so at the end of Guardians 2, they acknowledge that they have feelings for each other without actually acknowledging it. Like it's that whole, like some unspoken thing, uh, that they say to each other. So, and then when you, we see them in Infinity War and after she learns the whole stuff about Thanos and the, the gauntlet again, uh, she says, you know, to Peter, like, I love you so much. And I feel like that's a step too far for Gamora. Like, she wouldn't... It Like, there's not a lot of time that has passed between, you know, that that movie and Infinity War. Right. So, I don't know. I, it felt like too much. Like, you still could have gotten away with everything that you did in the movie with them without hearing her say the words, you know? Um, but I don't know if that was for the audience because they wanted them to get the hint or something. Um, but that still just doesn't, that's, that doesn't sit right with me more than the, uh, Scarlet Witch vision romance that just, you know, pops up. (laughs) Like, so, I mean, I guess that's, it's that. And I think also with how all of the female characters end up fighting the one female villain, not, not, not super, you know, uh, happy about that one either. (laughs) Right. It's like, hey, we're all women's. Let's let's just fight each other because that's how that works. Because um, that feels like old school cartoon fighting to me. You know? Oh yeah. It's like, well, we've got this one female villain and this one female warrior hero. So obviously, they're the only ones who can fight each other. Because what's a guy gonna yeah. do? Kick, hit a girl? <laughs> That'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those those are kind of like the two two, like, bigger gripes I have, and mostly just because one, narratively speaking, just doesn't feel right for the characters, you know, at this point in their relationship, and the other one just feels like, well, we need something for the women to do, so they should just fight another another woman. Cool. All right. Problem solved. Here we go. We got it. Yep. We fixed it. We fixed gender disparity and equal pay and screen time, and yeah. I mean, it was a good fight. I'm not not opposed to that. I just wish that it hadn't just been all the female characters fighting each other. Right. It's like, you can do better. Um, okay. So I feel like we've talked a good amount about infinity war. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like to mention? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm excited for, for where the future of the story is. Mm -hmm. Like I truly, have, I, I have no ideas. I have no thoughts. I have no <laughs> estimations of what it could possibly be. Because I'm like, I don't... Like, the villain succeeded. He pulled a Final Fantasy III Kefka tactic. He mm-hmm. achieved exactly what he was out to achieve. What do you do with that? Yeah. Like, like Thanos won? Like, that's that's amazing. And now, yeah, now it's... And now the next movie is just going to be like, okay, how how is how are they going to fix it? How are the heroes going to band together again and fix it? And that's exactly what you want in a good superhero movie. So here we go. 
Um, okay, so then let's move on to Deadpool 2, The Reckoning. Because um, uh, <laughs> I don't... Did we ever talk about the first Deadpool on this show? I think we did. Feel Maybe. like we did. Probably. Yeah, let, let's just say that we did, and I'll correct that in the, in the at the top of the show. <laughs> but, uh, okay, like we did with Infinity War, how do you feel overall about Deadpool part deux? Um... it was good um i don't so this is something i've told a lot of people where i've been like they're like like how was it and i'm like well it's not better than the first one Mm -hmm. and it's definitely not worse i think it maintains par and i think that is a hundred percent should be the goal for deadpool because you don't want to get caught in a trap of like how ridiculous can we make the jokes? Mm-hmm. Because if you get too over the top, then people are like, this is just like stupid dick and fart jokes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so you have to maintain like an, an, an equal medium of intelligent humor. Um, that's also amazingly crude. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think Deadpool two does that really, really well. Um, you know, it definitely keeps some things from the first movie, um, you know, adds some, you know, some new things kind of into the mix, but overall, like, Wade Wilson is still Wade Wilson. Yeah. Like, he's still just the same guy no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm kind of in the same boat, I think, because, um, yeah, I mean, because Deadpool 1, the, the first Deadpool was just so refreshing in terms of what it was commenting on because you you had to wait that long for the superhero genre to be as um prolific as it is for deadpool to come along and be all like hey let's point out all of these things and then still do them but we're also going to point out that we're doing them Um, because that's what yeah that's what deadpool does even in the comics like he understands the genre um and he acts according to it uh and then, yeah, so I didn't I didn't come out of Deadpool 2 being all, like, disappointed or anything. I mean, it basically, it boils down to this. If you like the first one, you'll like the second. Like, it's, they're, I don't feel like they have to be in competition with each other, but I, I know some people are like that. Where it's like, well, sequels are never as good as the first ones. Like, some of them are. Some of them are right at the same spot. Like, why does that matter? Yeah, like, like there's a lot of genres out there where you have to ask that question of, like, why does it need to be? Mm-hmm. Like, what was missing in the first one that you needed more of in this one if the first one was already amazing? Yeah. It's like, because uh, it, they didn't really, they didn't really comment on movie sequels at all. I mean, that I can remember. Because you feel like if the first one was much more of a, like, let's comment on superhero movies in general. Um, right that maybe Deadpool 2 would make, would try to, like, cash in, you know, not cash in, but uh, make comments about sequels to superhero movies that, or, you know, franchises, that kind of stuff. So, because yeah. they didn't do a lot of that, but they did kind of franchise drop stuff. Like, I mean, the the cameo of the, uh, the X-Men uh, in, right. in the room, like, just eating and drinking and closing the door on him. It's like those those are the little things that I enjoy about this particular movie like the or Deadpool in, in and of itself because it's like they are very predictable in terms of the where the story is probably going to go but then it's like the little things in the background or to the side or the the jokes still feel like so good you know that they're not just dick and fart jokes but some of them are actually like really well set up 
uh, joke and uh, and punchline. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and most of that is Ryan Reynolds, obviously, because he is Deadpool. He just might as well always be wearing that suit. Right, right. It's, uh, <laughs> as I tell people, I'm like, this, this was the role Ryan Reynolds was born to play. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this is it. Like, I, if, if you guys won't give him some kind of award for these performances, <laughs> like, they, I, I don't think there's anything else in the basket for him then. Yeah. Like, he's, this is it. <laughs> he's, he's not going to win an Oscar for anything else. I mean, this might as well be the thing that he gets it for. <laughs> it's like, don't get me wrong. I like him as an actor, but this is like the, the perfect marriage of person and character. <laughs> right. Which is so funny because like, uh, when you hear about Ryan Reynolds as a person, like, outside of, like, what people see him in with movies, like, mm-hmm. everybody's, like, he's just a really quiet, like, reserved guy. Like, he's not, like, he's he's not at all like these characters he plays. Like, he's kind of the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. But then you see, like, the way he is on, like, Twitter and stuff like that. So it's, like, it's, it's something that is just beneath the skin mm-hmm. that I feel like, yeah, like, if it's in front of his family or, like, people he cares or trusts, or, uh, yeah, he's less likely to probably be that way. As opposed to, oh, hey, like, I'm doing this thing that has me act like this character, yeah. and I love this character. This this is, I feel like Deadpool is just Ryan Reynolds' true self <laughs> that we never get to see. It's it's the Batman to his Bruce Wayne. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is the real you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the mask. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just, I don't know, like, overall, the, the movie just worked in terms of, like, the story they were trying to tell. Um, I, f- I do have a problem with them fridging Vanessa in the first, like, what, ten minutes? It's true. Um, there is a possibility that she could come back in, in whatever movie comes after this, um, but I don't know, it just, making, again, the motivation for this guy to be... Well, part of the motivation to be his girlfriend died um, after telling him she wanted to have a baby with him. Right. <laughs> Which, and, and then there's that other part of me that's like, it's deliberate because that's what genre movies do. But at the same time, Vanessa's kind of an awesome chick, and I don't want her to be dead. Right. And I don't also want her death to be the only motivating factor for Wade, because that just... Again, that that becomes too much of it. Oh, we're genre savvy, but we're still committing the same crimes, you know. True. So, uh, I don't, how did you feel of, of Vanessa's uh, passing away? I didn't like it really, um, mostly because I mean, kind of the same things you said. Like it, it just it made his motivation so very one focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I realized we got to a point by the end that like his motivation changed like now it was no longer um you know the revenge story like his motivation is because you know there's these people who seem to care about him um that you know he wants he wants to continue having relationships with and mm-hmm. so um it's nice to see that change i do hope cuz cuz from what uh the writer said is everything that we saw in post credits um as far as like things that affected like reality of this movie mm-hmm. um were canon so oh so I, he, he really killed ryan reynolds yeah yeah um <laughs> so there is no more ryan reynolds folks it's only wade wilson um interesting <laughs> the great paradox <laughs> right? 
Um, but yeah, so she, so you know, her her survival when he went back into time is is apparently an actual thing. So I was like, great. I hope we get to see her back, and I hope you don't kill her right away because yeah. I really like like you. I like the character. Like I think she is the perfect um, the perfect fit for Wade Wilson, mm-hmm. and it's nice to see a version of Wade Wilson where. He is in a committed relationship outside of just like I just live, you know, in a bachelor shithole all the time because that's a lot of what you see of Wade Wilson. So yeah. it's nice to see this as the as the story instead. Yeah, and there was a, a gal on Twitter, and and I apologize because I don't know her name, but she did a, a thread kind of talking about Deadpool and what's been running through the the two movies and the senses because I think even in the comics like Deadpool has covered the the topics of depression and suicide I mean this is a guy who after being tortured is in a state where he really can't die um ever unless he's got one of those you know power blocking collars on um so in the course of his actual being a mercenary he's always in a state of being cancer-ridden, but also immortal at the same time. Um, and then the things that the comics cover, and even in the movies where they're talking about, this is a guy who feels like he's unworthy of love. Because um, the first movie, he once they get the, the, the news that he has cancer, even despite Vanessa being like, I'm, we're going to fix this, not fix it, but we're going to you know, figure out how to do what we need to do, his immediate response is to, is to run away because he doesn't want to burden her. Like, he's not love... You know, he doesn't feel like he has... He's worth that kind of love and time. Um, Right. And then when he gets his powers, but he looks like, you know, all the different ways that T.J. Miller describes him as um, (laughs) an avocado had sex with an avocado, Um, when he becomes that, then he feels like he's not worthy of love because he doesn't look, you know, good. Um, And... And in some ways, it's also like, well, what you must think of Vanessa then, if she wouldn't be with you when you have cancer, or if you look like that. Like, that also speaks to, like, low self-esteem and a low opinion of even the people he's with, you know? Right. Um, but then he overcomes that, mostly, by the end of the first movie. And then the second movie is kind of uh, using uh, Vanessa's death to let him realize that he can't do it alone, that he needs support and a family and you know however that comes about and everything so it i mean it's an interesting take uh does that does that ring a bit true to you or do you disagree entirely no i think so for sure i think the fact that um we get to watch we get to watch wait on this journey through you know through both these movies grow so it'll be interesting to see um what the next topic is that they tackle you know if they're making a third movie Mm -hmm. um you know, because because I mean they've covered the broad spectrum at this point um, in a few different ways. Um, so I mean, there's lots of other things. I mean, this movie touches on the fact of like things like child abuse and like yeah. the thoughts that many of us have, and then we watch this character do exactly what we uh, many of us would think be like, yeah, no, people hit a kid or they touch a kid inappropriately, like that's what they deserve. Mm-hmm. That right there, um, and we get to watch this character like commit to that fully Mm -hmm. and and in those moments it's about like how you take it and like the meanings that were hidden therein you know where you know colossus is like you know there's always another way kind of thing Mm -hmm. um yeah there's definitely the the cycle of violence is is definitely present in this one is i mean in a in the most literal sense 
with uh, with time travel and and the presence of cable, uh, basically pulling basically pulling a looper uh, with with this movie, which I think they do reference at some point, <laughs> um, just because cable's whole because the introduction of cable is is an interesting thing, but also if you're a comic book person and you've you know you've you know who cable is. And then also, if you've read any of the Cable Deadpool comic books, which are ridiculously awesome. <laughs> it's like bringing Cable in in the way that they did, I feel was interesting. But I don't know if it was like the best means of introducing the character. Um, right. Because there's just so much more to Cable that the movie never touches on. Like, ever. <laughs> and, and, yeah. in, and in order to do that, they would have to get into a lot more of X-Men's lore, which I don't think they're going to do anytime soon. No. no. But but much more it was about the cycle of violence, just with this kid, Russell, who, um, I don't I don't know if you've ever seen, um, what is it? It's Taika Waititi's, like, first movie, um, hunting, hunting the Wilder People. Oh, God, what is it? Something like that. Yeah. I know, I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of yeah. it. Yeah. Hunt for the Wilder People, something like that. Um, so my my sister's boyfriend is a Kiwi, and he showed us that movie. Uh, and, I mean, it's great, because it's, I mean, it, obviously it's Taika Waititi, and uh, was it Sam Neill uh, is in it, too? And then this uh, this kid, um, who in this movie is very, very much playing a similar character. Like, just the things he says, I, I get the feeling that those are just things he improvs, because... He says very similar things in in the previous movie that he does here, uh, just about being gangster and, and and whatnot. But anyway, so in uh, in Cable's present, our future, uh, Russell becomes a supervillain who you know uh, kills Cable's family because Cable was coming after him, and so he uh, he killed them out of revenge or whatever. Like his Cable couldn't stop him in time. Uh, so he comes back to kill him when he's a teenager, for obvious reasons. Um, and then that's actually what's getting the, the cycle started up, is him showing up, hunting him down, at the same time as Russell is trying to deal with the uh, abuse he dealt with at the like what, halfway house that he was at, uh, and and Deadpool's kind of rejection of him. So he's, he's dealing with a couple of things that Cable being on his tail doesn't help, you know? Right. <laughs> that... That this whole thing just is perpetuating itself um, because no one bothers to stop and say, like, why not try something else, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, in terms of, like, the different emotional storylines going on, I, f- you know, I feel like that's, that one in particular feels like it's getting kind of lost in the weeds somewhere. Um, and so I kind of, co- I, I, I commend the movie for, for tackling it in the way that they did even. Um, which is weird to say for a movie like this, (laughs) but also appropriate. I don't know how to feel, James. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that's, I I think that's something that Deadpool does really well because it, it hits, it hits a lot of things that like both sides of, uh, of the fence in, in many ways. So it's just like, I, I love certain things. But there's other things that I'm not sure if I should love them mm. or if I could. Like, I don't know. How does it make me feel? Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that is 
is just part of Deadpool in general, whether it's film or comic book format. Like, there's just some disjointed things. It's just like, wait, what? And I think that's just part of the lunacy that is Deadpool. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's, it's a character that breaks the fourth wall, right? So he, he breaks into that reality off the pages or from the screen into being, like, there with us, mm-hmm. which is unnerving enough. So I think that's tonally something maybe that they try to set through these movies uh, to some degree where things often seem a little disjointed. And part of that is just we're kind of watching things through Wade Wilson's eyes while standing next to Wade Wilson. Yeah. And then he's just commenting on them while we're watching him watch himself. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what What did you think of, of Cable and, and Josh Brolin's portrayal thereof? Oh, so good. It was so good. Like, I... And, like, the thing is, is, like, I was never really worried about Brolin um, performance-wise when it was announced it was going to be Brolin, because there were a couple of others that had, like, thrown their hat into the ring, and, like, one for sure of those actors, I was like, that guy just looks like he could be Cable. Like, yeah. I mean, not as bulky, but he could definitely be Cable. Mm-hmm. Um, so Josh Brolin stepping into the role was pretty great. I thought he played the straight man to... Um, uh, to, to Wade Wilson's funny man routine, like just so good because mm-hmm. like he does have those like dry one liners um, that do have their merit of comedy and everything. Um, I love the fact that the movie, you know, in the movie, like Wade, you know, throws out you know all of the like DC and um, Thanos references and things like that mm-hmm. towards Brolin's character and everything, and and the fact that like there's never a moment where you feel like he he cracked like it always feels like Brolin was just right on with the character all the time mm-hmm. and it kind of has you wondering if that's just Josh Brolin <laughs> regularly so true. actually I was listening to him on on Mark Marin's podcast and he's a really he has an interesting like look at at acting like he's not necessarily like a fan of acting but he likes the process of making movies mm. it's a it's an interesting podcast to listen to um I, I would recommend it if you want some insight into Josh Brolin. Oh, oh, inside the mind of Josh Brolin. Right? Oh, man. He could make a show out of that, and I'd probably watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we all... Yeah, because I loved... Yeah, I loved the DC Comics burn. It's like, so dark. Are you sure you're not from the DC <laughs> universe? <laughs> yes, I appreciated it very much, and I made sure I let my buddy Paul know. I was like, see... See, you can have dark tones, Paul, and still have humor. <laughs> mm. It can be done if you have competent writers. Right. <laughs> and people who actually like love and respect the characters that they're making. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we already did a three-hour podcast on that one, so we don't, need to, <laughs> we don't need to rehash that one. I mean, one day, maybe. <laughs> Some 20-year retrospective. <laughs> right. <laughs> and another I thing. I think I'll still be as angry. Or I'll get angrier. Oh, that's possible, yeah. Sometimes time does not heal all wounds. <laughs> I'm just sitting there with, like, bottles of bourbon being like, and another thing. <laughs> Dennis Superman. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and I really loved the creation of X-Force, and then the total decimation of it within five minutes. Right? Like, it felt so appropriate to <laughs> just, like, if Deadpool put a team together... It would have to be that awesomely bad. Like, mm-hmm. it would just have to be. Um, I loved, like, the little kid.
cameo reveals and the fact that you know like the the invisible guy was, <laughs> was freaking um um brad oh, pitt Jesus. yeah brad pitt mm-hmm. i was just like that's that's amazing it's like, like that's thank you brad pitt <laughs> so good yeah and i guess so and i saw alan tudyk but was yeah. that that was supposed to be matt damon next to him in the in the one scene yeah, right that was matt damon oh my god was, which i didn't recognize at all uh-huh. like, i was trying to legitimately figure it out when i was watching that scene because i was like i know who that is who the hell is this guy it, i don't recognize him. exactly because it was like they were lingering on the scene for so long you're like okay these guys are talking to each other i know that guy but like yeah like he says like he's so hidden by so much makeup and prosthetics you're just like, why are they focusing on these two guys? I mean, other than the visual gag of, like, Deadpool landing and and showing up and everything, but it's just like, this seems like an inordinate amount of time to be spent on these two guys. <laughs> or no, it wasn't Deadpool, it was Cable. Cable shows up and, and kills them, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, I loved uh, the introduction of, I loved Dom, Domino so much. Like, for a character to just come in and steal a movie especially from Ryan Reynolds, who himself is just chewing up as much scenery as he possibly can. Um, uh, Zazie or, is it Zazie or Zazie? I think it's Zazie. Um, Zazie Beats just, it's just like, where's Domino's movie? I want, I want a movie about the superpower of luck. Just do it. Well, I think the dialogue of those things did so well. Like from when you very first meet the character, you know, when she walks into the interview and, Deadpool's just like, like, the whole back and forth between the two of them, it, like, it was perfect, and it also simultaneously felt like them trying to, like, scene steal from each other, mm-hmm. um, which just worked so beautifully for, for both characters in such a great way, so it was, yeah, I, I, I love the way they did everything visually with the action around her character, mm-hmm. I thought it was just perfect. Yeah, because I especially love that whole, like, that tracking shot where everything's just working out for her. And she's, she's not even sweating it. She's just walking or running as casually as anyone would, even with all this destruction happening around her. Right. And, and I, because, what, in the midst of that, Deadpool is still going on about how her superpower doesn't exist. Yeah. He's like, how is a cow, can that even be cinematically, you know, shown? And all that. <laughs> While she's just, like, cruising along, catches up. She's like, I'm here. <laughs> oh, man, it was... I love that sequence. I wish the CGI had been better during it because I I feel like because with the first movie they lost like a whole bunch of their budget like at the like right as they were about to start filming. I don't I don't recall if there are any budget issues with this, but it feels like they might have skimped on that sequence when it maybe needed more. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean everything else still looked still looked good. I mean Colossus still looks like Colossus and I'm thoroughly you know, grateful that they actually got Colossus right. So, yeah, let's just let's just keep it there, guys. And that um, was it. Negasonic, Negasonic teenage uh, warhead has a girlfriend now, yes, which is nice, very lovely. Uh, he's like, hi, Yukio. <laughs> <laughs> I love like of of all the things that just kind of like tickled me. That was the one that I liked. That that little running gag of him <laughs> and Yukio. <laughs> It's like, hi, Wade. Hey, you cute. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so cute and so innocuous. It just, it just, it's so what Wade would do, you know? Like, yes. that's just what it feels like. And I love that they still take the time to do those little things because, again, it shows how much they love and respect the character. Right. 
Um, I'm trying to think, like, because story-wise, I mean, we've already talked about the characters. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're covering everything except for the um, the tiny light legs bit of. <laughs> Just like, oh my god, this whole sequence. <laughs> it's like if you, I mean, if you want to talk about how a sequel can one up its predecessor, right? Right? Like he's straight up shirt cocking it. Like <laughs> I was like, wow, that's that's a new phrase. Like that's, that's a thing. <laughs> Just Donald ducking it. <laughs> Just every moment of that sequence, like from. They just taking their time on the reveal and and just and everything and it's just it's so uncomfortable and yet so amazing at the same time. Right. Well, and even like when the cab driver comes in and he's just like, "Oh God!" He's just like, "Oh, not not again!" And <laughs> the other guy's like, "Wait, this has happened before." <laughs> oh man, how do you how do you feel about Dopinder actually? I I like his character. Like yeah. he's so. <laughs> I just, He's so bizarre because, like, this movie is all about like he's trying to prove his loyalty to Wade mm-hmm. in, in all of the ways, in all of the ways that are completely not the right way for him to do it, and Wade knows it. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's like doing his own version of sidelining him to being like, okay, yeah, no, like the enthusiasm, that's great. Um, how about you do this, and we'll talk about it later. Yeah, and he's so <laughs> eager to kill somebody, like, right. Yeah, like, he's seeking that praise and everything because, you know, he feels like Wade changed his whole life, you know, (laughs) somehow convincing him to kidnap, you know, Bantu. Yes. (laughs) I I thought his character was really well done, and, like, I love that he comes back around, like, full circle by end of movie, where he's just, like, where, where, you know, he comes into the situation and he's ready, and then, like, he sees how impossible it is, and he's just like, I'm just going to wait in the cab, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like anyone when faced with the juggernaut, I feel that would probably be the smart reaction. Right? <laughs> and, I mean, and, and kudos again to the movie for doing the juggernaut correctly. I mean, yes. finally. Um, it's just, it's like, of course, of course this movie is just such a better X-Men movie. <laughs> right? Like, this is the universe we want the X-Men to be in. Yes. It's like, if and I, I, it's so weird to me how like the actual X Men movies can't even get that right. It's like the, it's not hard, guys. Like these these characters can be done well. I mean, you just have to actually like commit to it. That's that's it. That's all you have to do. But you know that's why it's okay because Wade Wilson fixed a cut. You know, a, a small X Men issue. So oh my god! Right. It all worked out. <laughs> Jesus, like, yeah, that whole the whole last bit of him fixing the timeline—this <laughs> is so insane. I mean, again, I love it. I love the whole thing. I love what they're trying to do. I'm I'm excited for for basically whatever comes next. If it's another X Force movie, God God help them, um, or if it's yeah, in- Peter, it's possible. That's right. Peter is alive now. I mean, <laughs> yep. So. I'm sure that'll work out for them. I, I do find it interesting how he just saves Peter. He doesn't bother right. not, not any of the other characters. Nope. Terry Crews, gone. Lewis. Like, to include Shatterstar, of all people. <laughs> and and I love the, because the actor, uh, Lewis Tan, 
who plays him is just such a badass in everything else that he is that he never even gets to show that. <laughs> I feel like is the best joke ever. It's pretty great. It's so good. It's like, so what can you do? Everything better than you? <laughs> Turns out, yeah, you can still get killed, too. <laughs> better than everyone else. Um, I th- yeah, I thought that was just amazing. And, and again, it's appropriate, but also it feels so unexpected. It's like, you could have predicted this almost with any other movie, but even here you're just like, oh, okay, he's getting the team, and then they all die in five minutes. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. I'm trying to think. Think, think, think. Anything else that we've not covered that you feel should be said about Deadpool 2? No, I mean, I, I like the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Outside of the longest running death scene I think I've ever seen in a movie. Also, uh, well, you know that was deliberate. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I thought the ending was, like, just very appropriate um, in the development of, like, both characters. Um, and even just, like, these random characters. Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting place that they have, like, come to. So, uh, again, I think it'll lead into... I don't know, it leads us down an interesting road of, like, where where do they take a third movie to? Like, yeah. what, what becomes the story? Exactly. And although the paradox of saving Vanessa, doesn't that then mean that the events of the movie don't go the same way? I, I don't know. Okay. Don't know. I'm just saying. Ask Doctor Who. In terms of a, <laughs> in terms of a, a time travel movie... Uh, because, you know, they referenced Looper. Looper had some issues with that, too. You know, you can't... <laughs> I mean, most of Looper was was that reason. It's <laughs> fair. But, uh, I mean, who are we to discuss and overanalyze movies, James? Who who are we right. to, to do that? That's. I mean, because on that basis, you have to ask, is Logan in the same universe, and does that mean the events of Logan never happen? <laughs> That's true. They do reference... <laughs> well, didn't they say, like, in the, the studio that killed Wolverine... <laughs> <laughs> Although that opening gag with him uh, was it the the stabbing through? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Music machine. Oh my god, so good, That's so good. Um, okay, well, uh, good talk, good talk, James. I feel like we've covered everything and we've thoroughly examined all aspects of these two movies. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, I, I I know I haven't seen it yet, but have you seen Solo? I haven't. I've heard some good things. Mm. Um, nothing specific, just generally in reference to the movie. Like, I've heard good things. I actually have a lady who comes through the bank that I work at. Her husband works set building and design for Star Wars movies. What? Like, yeah, so he actually worked on Solo, and she got to go to a special, like, crew pre-screening. <gasps> um, and I was like, I'm so jealous. She even showed me her ticket and everything, and I was like... Can you adopt me? Is that possible? <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> but she said, uh, overall, as a movie, it was good. Um, there were just, if you take it from story aspects, there's certain things that they explore um, with, uh, like, one of the things she said is, like, they go back to, like, how Han and Chewie met. And mm-hmm. I was like, that would be interesting. I was just like, like I didn't know if that's something they were actually covering in this movie. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah. And she was like, and they did it really well. And the end, the end has a really interesting twist. She's like, I really want you to see it because I want to be able to come back in here and like discuss it. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, well, I won't get any work done that day. So there you go. 
Huzzah! Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just wanted. I wasn't sure if maybe we should make plans for that as well. But uh, it's always it's always on the books if we ever want to talk about another another movie. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, okay, so then as we as we sign out, uh, anything you would like to promote or let people know about, uh, should they wish to find you online? Um, so I do, uh, as uh, kind of a conversation before, I, I do live posts and everything on my Roman on the Rocks page on Facebook, um, so y'all can find me uh, through there. Um, I make I try to make uh, weekly, I think I'm behind a week right now, but I try to make weekly updates on there where I talk about what games I've been playing, movies I've been watching, what I kind of thought about some of those things, and try to do a short wrap on that. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I have not been active in any of my other spots particularly, so. Okay. Um, and can they, f- did you mention your Twitter? Oh yeah, I am on Twitter, at Roman on the Rocks. Excellent. Yay. Um, I also want to promote our friend Tiffany. Uh, they have a new, uh, uh, jewelry, uh, they're, they've been doing jewelry for a while, and I want to point out that you can go to Leviathan Links on, I believe it's Etsy, right? Yes. Yes. Leviathan Links on Etsy, uh, Tiff is a fantastic person, I love them so much, and you should definitely buy, uh, their products because they are amazing. Um, yeah, and they're really awesome about working with you. If you have like something custom idea that you want, mm-hmm. um, they'll work with you on that pretty well too. Yeah. So go there, buy shit. You won't be disappointed. Truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yes, on behalf of that girl with the curls, I hope you have enjoyed this show. And as always, good night, everybody. Good night. Watching all these dreams go. Come